All your base are belong to us. Hello and welcome to Fake Geek Girls, a podcast looking at nerdy pop culture from both a fan and critical perspective, encouraging the things we love to do better. I'm Missy, I'm a writer, and sorry if this episode sounds weird. <laughs> I d- the, the levels changed and we were really loud and I didn't change anything on the microphone or on the mixer, so I don't know what's happening. I can see that I can see my line and Mary's mic and I hate that, <laughs> but we're going to live, I guess. I'm Mary, I'm a digital marketer, and um, I support Missy and her trying to figure it out, but I don't do anything except talk. That's fine. Uh, I guess I'll go first because yeah. I have one more. Well, yeah. technically we have the same amount. You just didn't put one of them on yours. Because you had it. Because I had it. Yeah. I read uh, Keeping Two by Jordan Crane. Um, full disclosure, this is published by Fantagraphics, the company that pays me <laughs> to be part of their marketing team. So... But this is not paid for. This is not paid for. This is not a sponsored post. <laughs> it is my job to work on the marketing team for Fantagraphics. But I, this, they did not tell me to do this. I read the book of my own volition. So Keeping Two is a graphic novel by Jordan Crane about, forgive me, I can't remember the character names. It's I about, never remember. <laughs> it's about a man and a woman. And they are in a relationship and they have this kind of bickering relationship. Like they're arguing with one another in a way that um doesn't resonate with me (laughs) i (laughs) i know other people bicker and can be cruel in their relationships and like function that ain't me so (laughs) it's always foreign to me when i see this happening i I think it's a really fine enemies to lovers kind of thing to read but not something you'd ever want well that's that's not the kind of book this is this Mm. is meant to be like a realistic depiction Mm. of a relationship and i don't the thing is i just i've never been in a relationship like that so a lot of people read this book and took away that it was like a toxic relationship and i'm like i don't know if that's what the author was going for um i know that it doesn't look like my relationship but my relationship also doesn't look like a lot of people's relationship and that doesn't mean that their relationship can't function you know what i mean uh, yeah relationships are different there's no right way there's a wrong way but there's, there's no- yeah there's certainly a wrong <laughs> way there's definitely a wrong way but there's no right way yeah so this couple is bickering they are not kind to one another i think that is that much is very clear both of them are kind of in their own heads they are not treating their partner with kindness um they are listening to an audiobook or no, they're listening to one another read um, this story about this woman and this couple. I think the woman has a miscarriage, if I remember correctly. It's now been like a month. Oh, this since is I read the it. one you showed me, right? Yeah, and her husband is kind of like he's like, oh, you know, that's that's terrible, but that he sucks. gets he gets over it a lot faster than she does, and kind if I remember correctly, kind of polices her grieving process, not like in a really awful like he's not trying to be like okay we'll fucking get over it it's more like he doesn't he just doesn't understand what she's going through um so they're reading this book to one another and he they get home and uh the in the the like the frame narrative story not the story within the story um the woman is gonna go out to get groceries and he said okay i'm gonna do these dishes um and the dishes will be done by the time you get back and then she's like you're not gonna i think she says something to the effect of you're not gonna have enough time to get all those dishes done before i get back and he's like no i'm gonna do it so she leaves how many dishes are there there was a lot of dishes they had been on vacation and i think they had left like some stuff that needed to be done so they extra cleaning yeah so he she leaves 
and she isn't back on time. And he starts to worry about various terrible things that have happened to her, like really visceral, like images of all of like, she could have been kidnapped. She could have been murdered. She could have been mugged. She could have been raped. Like he has all of these like kind of worst case scenario. Yeah. Intrusive thoughts about the horrible things happening to her. And as he's reading, he, he kind of goes back to reading this book and he's reading it by himself. And, um, he, uh, starts the the book has a similar thing happening with it's kind of unclear um which is i think effective it's unclear whether the wife is having like suicidal ideation or whether the husband is thinking about the wife having suicidal ideation it's kind of unclear what's happening there but it is very much a a graphic novel about like the fears that we have around the people that are close to us and i found it to be really effective and really moving like Hmm. It's not an easy read at all. There's a lot of really graphic um, violence in it, and it's specifically graphic violence uh, toward women um, because that the, the the subjects of the story are men, and so they are thinking about their female partners, and they are imagining their female partners being subject to all kinds of violence. And I, it's easy to hear that and think like this is like some kind of like fantasy that they're having, but that's not it. They Intrusive are intrusive thoughts. Yeah, it reads very much to me like horrifying visions, and so. As a as a person with anxiety, it really resonated with me. I was like, "Yeah, I feel I feel this sometimes. It's horrible." I saw one time that some therapists suggest when you have really terrible intrusive thoughts to say them out loud because if if you don't have intrusive thoughts, that's terrifying. Like like if you have intrusive thoughts, that can be a really terrifying thing because they can right. get fucking awful. And the like like I think it was like in a, some Reddit thread, and everyone was like, "I could never speak these things out loud because mm-hmm. they can get so bad." Yeah. And they're not things you want to do. No. There I think for me sometimes there's almost like this is not every intrusive thought and I obviously can't speak for everybody on earth. But there are some times where I feel like I'm testing my own limits mm. with intrusive thoughts like I'm like, "Hey, are you sure you're not this bad? This, are you sure you're not evil?" This I know that might sound weird to so many people and I'm like, "Oh yeah, that tracks." <laughs> <laughs> that tracks that sounds right that sounds like something yeah your, your brain would do there so there are there are times where my intrusive thoughts are like making sure you're a good person yeah exactly um and and i think if you aren't familiar with the idea of intrusive thoughts like a lot of times the um the reaction that you have to the intrusive a lot of people have an intrusive thought and think oh i'm a terrible person it's the reaction you have to the intrusive thought that is the real tell so if i have you know a horrible thought and i go that was repulsive how could I think something so disgusting? The answer is good job. You, you thought think, it was gross. You thought it was disgusting. That's the real tell. That's the real tell. So when it comes to these, you know, these things that are happening in this book, these like um, visions or thoughts that the men in this book are having about their partners, um, it didn't ring to me as a fantasy of violence against women. It read to me as like their reaction is the telling thing, and these horrible thoughts that they were having like push them in a new direction with how they speak with their partners. And like, this is one of those things where I understand somebody reading this and being like, well, they should know that already. They shouldn't speak to their partners like that already. And like, yeah, I agree. They got to learn how to not do it. Yeah. Like I agree. I agree with you, but I found the portrayal of whether it's like anxiety in a clinical sense or not. Like I found the portrayal of, anxiety in keeping two to be really resonant for me 
Um, because sometimes my thoughts are just fucking nuts. Like they don't make any goddamn sense, but yeah. they still scare me. Like the time, the time, this is probably, this is a low stakes, um, kind <laughs> of funny example. I actually, I'm going to use a different one that I actually remembered this morning. Um, when I was a kid, my, we gave my cat some tuna and you know how cats like lip lick their lips yes. when they've had something delicious. And especially if they really like it, they'll lick them for a long time. Oh, are you worried? I got so scared. I thought he was dying because yeah. he was licking his lips so much. And yeah. the um, the gesture was unfamiliar to me because yeah. I was a kid. Um, that's a really low stakes example. But like, I was so scared he was dying because he was licking his lips. Yeah. Like there's no, there is no, there's no realistic connection no. between those two events. But I thought you were going to say that he's going to throw up because like the licking of the lips. Sometimes. Oh, yeah. no, I have that all the time every day. Every day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, these like so that this the depiction of this and like some of my th- my thoughts are not always that like oh silly like sometimes they're sometimes they're worse but um the depiction of anxiety whether or not it was intended as like true like clinical anxiety or just anxious thinking um really resonated with me and i found this yeah. book to really effect to be really effective i also the ending is not a downer just so you're aware like if you if you're interested in this book but you're like oh i don't want to read something that's a downer there's a lot of downer imagery in here don't get me wrong um there's one part that like really i really really loved it i don't want to talk about it because it's like a huge spoiler um but there's like just one line that i just really 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 loved um and i i thought it was great the art's really neat it's like uh, all done in shades of green, um, which can alternate between being really pretty and being a little bit sickly in a way that I think really works with the story. Just a beautifully crafted story. Yeah. I really, really, really liked it. And I, it's one of those things where this is not going to work for every person. There's yeah. going to be people who are really put off by the images of violence against women, which is totally fair. Um, but for me, I found that I, it really resonated with me and I was like, Oh yeah, it really is like that sometimes, even though you don't want it to be my yeah. relationship is not like the relationship depicted, but the I could find, level. I could find empathy for the characters in it. Despite the fact that it was like, wow, that's a horrible way, horrible way to talk to your partner. I could still find empathy for them. I feel like if, like if I would, would try it, Cause I, I can understand that quick reaction to be like a man thinking about killing a woman or their death yeah i can see that quick knee-jerk reaction and i guess like a good way i feel like you might be able to let some people try to empathize is postpartum mm-hmm. postpartum has a lot of intrusive thoughts um a lot of them are about killing their children right and um they don't want to yeah like it, unfortunately it does happen and unfortunately, a lot of people are not understanding, but a lot more, a lot of people who don't have anxiety typically experience this after postpartum, when they're in postpartum depression. So it, it feels similar to that. If like, if, if a woman were trying to understand this, that might be the way a person who yeah. can get pregnant. It's like, it's one of those things. Understand. It's one of those things where I wouldn't be like, oh, you know, you have, you should read this book, even if you would find this to be misogynistic or whatever because i think that you know images of brutalized women are pervasive in our culture like um so i'm not i don't want to argue that like well you have to get over it this time i think there's plenty of reasons not to engage with something like this Mm -hmm. but i think that the it was not fantasizing about brutalized women or dead women it was um it was showing the thought process of a character who is feeling a lot of regret and anxiety um and it was really effective for me it may not be for every person um but i i really really liked it i thought it was really well done 
I read something very opposite. <laughs> well, that's fine. <laughs> I read uh, Finn Rhodes Forever, which is the fourth book in a series of multiple standalones, essentially. It's really common within, like, romance novels now to, I don't know, maybe it was before, too, where it's, like, all takes place in the same universe. There's There are four of them. They're all different people, and they all can stand alone, but they take place in the same universe. Mm -hmm. Anyways, for some reason, like, I want to read the fourth one. (laughs) I wanted to read the fourth one because she had pink hair and he had tattoos. I'm, that's just who I am, okay? (laughs) I just, it just roped me in. Um, so it's, it's, uh, about Olivia, who lives in a small town and she, uh, works at a bar, but she is getting her PhD in forestry. I think that's what it's sick. Yeah. Well, and her, her thesis is that there's a pink flower that had gone extinct. She lives, um, in Vancouver on like one of the islands, Vancouver Island, the, the island, um, <laughs> the one, uh, and, uh, there's a flower that's gone extinct. But when she was a kid hiking with her best friend, um, Finn, she saw it go down the river and she always thought about it. She's so her, th- her thesis is that, Plants like this flower can adapt to climate change to still thrive. And she's spent years trying to find the flower and she cannot find the flower. And it's her last summer to find it before because her professor is like, yo, I'm piecing out after this. If you don't find it, you can't get your your PhD, which I don't know why she can't just like, I don't know how PhDs work, but like, why can't she just be like, and I was my thesis was wrong. I don't know. I don't know how a a PhD like a thesis defense works, but yeah. presumably, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, she couldn't. Um, we're not graduates. Yeah, students. we're not graduates. I, I would love to, but I would hate to do it. Do like a, a thesis and have to defend. Ugh, that sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> well, so her, she's living her life, and then her old best friend Finn comes back into town. They were best friends growing up, and finally they're like, "I love you," and he's like, "And he's like, I love you too," and they have sex. They're like grad night and then he's like uh i'm gonna go jump off a cliff with all my friends oh for fun (laughs) yeah for fun and she's like please don't go do that someone died last year because they were drunk doing it he does it she sees he says i won't do it he does it um comes home she confronts him and he spoilers acting drunk he wasn't drunk and was like i'm bored of you and i'm bored of this town and then left and that this is 12 years later after that. So she's like, fuck off. I don't want to see you. I don't want to think about you. You're fucking terrible. And you know what? I appreciate this book because straight away, he's like, Olivia, I love you. And we're soulmates. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. Yes. I don't have to worry about this. Yes, Olivia, we are. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. Thank you for telling me. Straight up. Like, I love you. I had to wait for her to say it. But like, I just it's just nice. Like, we're getting it out of the way. I love you. I know I do. Uh, turn, I was reading some things that the author had said. Turns out it's her version of like faded mates trope. Mm. So it made sense. Um, and the whole book is him trying to win her over. And she decides the only way in which she can make him leave is to date him and be so horrible. He'll leave. Oh, the how to lose a, lose a guy. Yeah. Well, he kept, he'd come back and then for like a summer and then he'd leave and he'd come back and he'd leave. So he was very flighty. He was a, he was like a thrill seeker. He was working, um, fighting fires like in the forest. And now he's fighting fires, but in the small town. So really not doing much. Um, and he's just known as this, like, the bad kid. Everyone's just like, oh, that's just Finn. And he's trying to, like, just all the shenanigans you can get into as a kid without being, like, really bad. He did. Like, and he's trying to, like, show her. I've turned around. I've just shown a new leaf. But things keep happening. Like, somebody is um 
on the side of the road, they have a flat tire. And he's like, I'm going to help this person. And then she drives by and he's like, I'm helping this person. Next day, like, finds out, did you hear Finn helped um, somebody who uh, carjacked someone get away? Oh, my God. (laughs) It's stuff like that. And she starts doing things to, like, get him mad. Like, she cuts her hair, like, horribly. Uh, wears ugly clothes. I don't know why she thought this would work. Wears ugly clothes. Takes him to a doily museum. Um, did he like the doily? He did. He became very good friends with the woman who does it. And then he went to her doily club because he felt bad she was lonely. Oh. And then she ends up working at a bar. Um, uh, he takes the best one. The best one is when she's like, oh, a lot of the women have a book club and it's a romance book club and his mom goes to it and she finds out like someone's like you don't know it at first then his mom's like oh this is what this book is about and she's like i'm ready for this well (laughs) turns out it's about a monster fucking book with multiple penises and his mom is just like loving this and she just keeps saying penis multiple times (laughs) and at one point she's like they're like we need to talk about the butt stuff she's like butt stuff can be fun and he's like i have to leave (laughs) it was so funny and so good um it happens exactly how you would think it would happen. They find the flower. It's very beautiful. Um, the ending was just fun and nice. And I know the ending of every single other person in all in this series. And uh, did that stop me from reading the third one? Not the first. No, I started <laughs> it because I couldn't find anything else I wanted. And it's like easy. Um, but it was just nice. It was nicest thing (laughs) and it was very funny i think i don't particularly i think it's really hard to write these tropes in books that are specific to people who love like romance books so like they were clearly talking about um like a mix between just like a general monster fucker but i'm pretty sure that they were the book that she was specifically referencing to inspire this was the um fuck what's it called uh, Ruby Dixon, Ice Ice Planet Barbarians. And if you're f- mm. familiar with that, you probably went, oh, shit, right now. <laughs> um, I tried to read it. It starts off with a rape and I couldn't do it. So, um, but people fucking love it. But it's about giant blue aliens. Um, so pretty sure she was pulling on that. And like, um, I don't know. I haven't read a lot of monster fucker books with two penises. But the only one I can think of is the Katie Robert one, which was really good. <laughs> It was very, like, emotional. Mm-hmm. I want to read her other one because it deals with, like, miscarriages and abortion and stuff. Mm. Anyways, she writes really... She's... She, I like her. Um, but yeah, it was a really easy book and fun, and um, I enjoyed it. Nice. Yeah. Um, I read The Martian by Andy Weir, which is... Um, you may know from the movie. The Martian. The Martian. Um, it is about a guy named Mark Watney, who is a botanist and I think mechanical engineer for NASA, who um, is on, I think, the first manned mission to Mars. And maybe not the first. It doesn't matter. He During a storm, he gets uh, hit by and like impaled by some piece of equipment and his crewmates think that he has died for very good reason. Like they, It is not they just kind of like, uh, he's probably dead. Like they have very good reason to suppose that he's dead and they leave and, um, he ends up living and then has to find out, like figure out how to survive on Mars with supplies meant to last for 30 days. 
And um, the book takes a very it's a it's a hard science book, meaning it is based it is grounded in reality. Like um, Weir, as an author, gives us a lot of information about how he accomplishes these tasks, like including like how Watney calculates things and like the real scientific basis for how this stuff works, um, which is really really interesting. As a book, it didn't super work for me. I read the whole thing. I didn't I didn't abandon it because the story was really gripping, but I'm not a hard science fiction fan. I'm not even really a science fiction fan. <laughs> um I got the book because I liked the movie and it was 3.99 at the thrift store. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of um a Mylation botanist mm. alien type world. Very different. I'm like, just saying if you like this Space, yeah. Mm. Oh, yes, botanist in space. They they could not be more different in execution. <laughs> like they are polar opposites of a spectrum. Um, I think annihilation. Yeah, annihilation is a biologist. Oh, is that oh, okay. Yeah, maybe um, they should have had. Not botanist. to be pedantic. Maybe but, they should have had one. But there might be a botanist, but the main character is the biologist. Oh, you know what? I want. I think maybe the the one girl that I've only watched the movie, but she. Uh, she like tried to commit suicide and she becomes the flower people. I think she oh, might yeah. have been a botanist. She might be a botanist. Because I think that was like the thing where they're turning into flower. Yeah. And I think that she's like, this is the way I want to go, which was really beautiful. That could be. I can't remember. Anyway. Um, so I really probably wouldn't have read this book if I hadn't seen the movie because it just didn't appeal to me. And after reading it, it's, if you, if you're really interested in science, like you will probably get a lot more out of this book than I did, which is not to say that I hate science. It's just <laughs> Missy hates science. You heard it here first. I got, I got real bored with the long descriptions. And as a character, Mark Watney really didn't work for me. Uh, Weir's writing works really well in Watney's voice because Watney is this kind of, um, how do I describe him? He's like, he makes a lot of like very silly pop culture references and like at one point he gets so tired of saying kilowatt hours that he starts referring to them as pirate ninjas does he have a lot of funkos he seems like he has a lot of funkos (laughs) but only the ones that are like really rare yeah i don't know it just (laughs) he didn't do it for me and weir's writing didn't really do it for me and it's not because like either of them are bad it's just not a style that worked for me but I enjoyed the story overall. Like I found the story really gripping, um, which is why I rewatched the movie, um, which is really good. <laughs> the movie's really, really good. And I think part of the reason that the movie works so well is a, I'm not in Watney's head. And when he makes a silly reference, it's over pretty quick. Uh, <laughs> B it's, uh, it's screen written by Drew Goddard who did the um, screenplay for, and I think also co-directed uh, Cabin in the Woods. I think it is co-directed. So he... I remember there being two. Yeah, the other one's Joss Whedon. Oh, that's right. That's why it's good, because <laughs> there were two. He, uh, Goddard is really good at synthesizing the silly and the serious, and I think that was really effective, and it's directed by Ridley Scott, who's very good at being serious. <laughs> so... Um, I hope Ridley Scott is like uh, Martin Scorsese, just a silly little person outside of it all. Yeah, I hope so. Martin Scorsese is like, seriously, everything I've seen, he might be a terrible person, but everything I've seen of him is like, 
Just a silly little man. He's just a chill guy that everybody assumes is really serious yeah, his, because he's serious about film. His daughter's really cute. Yeah. And uh, she's like, hey, dad, guess what? You're Martin Scorsese. Like, it's just very <laughs> cute. Anyways, I hope that's how it is with Ridley Scott. Yeah. I don't know, but I like to imagine it. So I so I rewatched the movie. I really like the movie. I think that the movie kind of took everything I liked about the book and made it, it put it into a form that I prefer to engage with. Um, But it's a good story. Like, it's really good. Um, if you, like, if you are less bothered than I am by the pop culture references and things like Pirate Ninjas, um, you may like the book more than I did. Um, if you are interested in the story, but the writing doesn't sound like it'll appeal to you, the movie is really, really well I done. I should watch the movie. Um, so, yeah, I recommend it. I recommend both on a story level. I recommend the movie personally. Um, but a lot of people really, really love the book. So... It, and it's really approachable science. Like, if you are interested in science, but you, you know, you're put off by things, it's really, really approachable. It's not a hard read whatsoever. And it's not junk science. No. That's the thing is because it's hard science fiction. It's based in reality. Like, I can't say that every single thing that happens in it is plausible or possible. But um, that is the intent. The intent is to play it as close to reality as possible. Um, so it is quite possible that the book would work for somebody on a better level than it worked for me. But I, I thought the story was gripping and I thought the movie was really good. Nice. I watched Scream 6. My husband has been waiting for this movie to be streamable forever. <laughs> he loves the Scream movies. I also love the Scream movies. He had me watch all of them and I, we need to do the Scream movies. I know. Um, also, okay, I think they should have allowed me to... Did you, did you watch any of the TV show? No. Listen, they should have, they should listen to this and they should listen to it hard. It got canceled. It wasn't good. My husband and I tried to watch it. Um, and it was called Scream, right? They should have fucking called it Stab. <laughs> they should have called it Stab and they should have made Stab. Isn't that like a thing in the Scream universe? Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the movie that, uh, is based off of the book that Courtney Cox's character Ooh. writes. So it would be so funny if the TV show, that doesn't even have all the rights to scream. Like uh-huh. they couldn't use the same mask because they couldn't get the rights. Oh, that's funny. What's called stab. <laughs> it would just would have been funny. I think it would have been funny. Anyways, uh, and screams, I think it's scream six. Who knows? I told, I asked my husband, like, is this scream eight? And he laughed at me and I think it's scream six, but it's the newest one. So I'm pretty sure that's six. Yeah. Jenna Ortega comes back, who I love and her sister. I don't remember her sister's name is back and they're like, she's at college and her sister follows her because she's like, I I need to make sure you're okay. And her sister's like, I just want to be a college student. Um, but really quickly, really quickly, it's like, go straight back, stab, back, stab, stabbing everyone. I think that this is the most stabby stab of all the, um, scream, scream movies. Um, uh, there isn't really much to say about this movie except for the fact that I did figure out who the killer was, which I never ever do. Um, and I, I like the characters that they've created for this, this movie. I think that the kids in this movie are really fun in that way of like, they feel, I mean, listen, I'm a millennial. I'm not, I'm a younger person, but they feel young, but not so, like, they don't feel like caricatures of like Gen Z. Yeah. They feel fun and fresh and, and, and cool. Um, at least me, an old person. Um, <laughs> And I really liked it. I think the screen movies are so interesting. They're even when they're not done well, I still like them because I still I still think they're fun. I also love the fact they did this more in the previous one that they're just sort of like having this conversation about elevated horror and it's just like fuck that. 
Horror is horror. <laughs> and it's very funny. Um, in this one, there's a scene where they're in a, a train and it's Halloween and everyone is dressed as different um, characters from different horror movies. And it's re- it was really fun to be like, oh, there's that person. Like, there was um, the family from Us was there. Oh, really? And th- yeah. Things like there's obviously like the typical people. But then there was like really Your ones- Freddy's, your Jason's. Yeah, your Freddy's, your Jason's, your Michael's. Except they always leave out Leatherface. What the fuck? They always leave out. You know why? Because they can't make, they can't seem to make Leatherface attractive, which is stupid because I believe Freddy is a pedophile. I think that's contentious because I think in one he is and then the other one he was falsely accused. Aha. Uh-huh, okay. Anyways, I think that's part. Anyway, I could go. My husband loves uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I always know when he's, le- he's not in there, <laughs> uh, which is so interesting because it's such a core horror. Yeah. Movie. Like that's an iconic one. I would actually like to do those movies because I think they have a lot to say, mm-hmm. but they're fucking brutal. I think we talked about Texas Chainsaw once. Yeah. But I don't remember like in what context. The, uh, the older ones are like not to be like the older ones are better, but the older ones are better except yeah. This is not about Scream. I did like the new Texas Chainsaw. It is fucking silly and I loved it. Anyways, yeah, Scream 6 was good. I thought it was super fun. And um I, I don't know. It's it's exactly what you would think you're gonna get out of Screams. It's exactly that. And it's fun and it knows it knows that. It knows that it's giving you exactly <laughs> what you want. And it plays with that. Like there's a shrine to its own movie. And I'm not talking about stab. Like there's a literal shrine. Um, and I just think they're fun movies that have more to say than just, you know, not another scary movie type of analysis on it. Mm-hmm. So they're fun. I liked it. Um, it's also like a horror movie that I can watch. <laughs> Always good. I think horror movies have a lot to say about the culture yeah. that's happening when it's made. I just can't handle him mm-hmm. babadook was in the movie as well he good was, bob's like there's babadook i'm like no i'm gonna have a panic attack God, i need I to try movie. it again it's a rough one it was it it gave me a really but i was like that's when we were living with bob's parents and like i mean i'm not in a good place mentally right now but i was in a really bad place yeah. so like maybe when i start feeling better i'll try it again because i was like so close to the end yeah, the um, end is really good. I know. I remember you. I know what it is. I remember you telling me, and I. It's just like I just, I just had full blown panic attack. There's the dog does straight up die. Yeah, just as it, a warning. I don't know if you made it that far. I I think so. I knew. I think I knew that. Oh, okay. It was. I probably warned you. It wasn't that the dog died. It was literally. It was a really well crafted character. Yeah, <laughs> and did exactly. It's Miss Fisher. Yeah, it was really. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> It was Miss fucking Fisher. It was a really good movie. Anyways, I talked about like three different horror movies. Well, that's okay. About. Scream Six is good. Go watch it if you like the other Scream. It's going to give you exactly what you want. <laughs> I'm. I want. I don't know how, how it was received. So people may have hated it, and they would be like, "You're crazy," but I am. <laughs> but and what about and it? What about <laughs> it? <laughs> um, I watched The Witches of Eastwick. I loved this movie. This is. Is this the one with Cher? Yes. So this movie is about the three most beautiful women of their time. <laughs> Cher, Susan Sarandon, and Michelle Pfeiffer, who play, um, I think, a widow, a recent divorcee, and maybe a single mother? I don't know. I don't remember what all was going on there. But they are all trying to live their lives, um, and they're struggling a bit, and they they live in like this religious kind of, this community with a lot of religion in it, and um, 
they get together one night and they have their kind of like gab sesh about how terrible men are and they just like make a wish that like this handsome but not too handsome kind of um ma- this man is going to come to town like they just want this good man and who shows up jack fucking nicholson <laughs> what a good man <laughs> well listen the wish they made came true um and it becomes immediately obvious that jack nicholson is playing the devil <laughs> I need to watch this movie. It's Mary. You need to watch. It. I need to watch. You this movie. need to watch this movie. I need to know your thoughts. It's kind of like what if Practical Magic was extremely horny. Like what I if it was so that. horny? What was it on? I what, can't remember. Service? It might be. Oh, we watched. I think on YouTube. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I can't remember. Not YouTube TV. No YouTube for some reason. I think it was on YouTube. I can't remember. Um, but uh, we did not like rent it or anything we found we like found it on youtube or something but anyway so he comes to town and he kind of hooks up with all of them individually and then they find out that he's hooking up with all of them and they're you know like and they're like hey you know what cool so they're all it's a white shoes yeah they're all sleeping with jack nicholson and they start to develop powers like they can fly when they're laughing i need to watch this yeah I it goes so fucking off the rails in the last act some wild shit happens it is nuts. Um, is the ending good? Well, I can't use words like good or bad to describe the ending to this movie, which was so beyond anything. It's nuts. Um, it's directed by George Miller, known for Babe and the Mad Max series. And much like Mad Max Fury Road, it's one of those things where I can see what he was aiming for and whether he hit the mark or not. I think is up to individual interpretation. Um, but I had a fucking blast watching this movie. It is so weird. It's based on the John Updike novel, which again has a split reception as far as is this misogynistic or is this feminist? And that's kind of how the movie feels. Like, I'm not sure what you're getting at here. But uh, like George Miller's later work suggests that he is aiming for feminism. But like, as always, I am skeptical of any man who is aiming for feminism. Not because I think men can't be feminist, but because like when it comes to depicting feminism in art, I don't know that men are, cis men particularly, are um, equipped to handle it with the nuance that womanhood deserves. Much yeah. like something like Men, the movie. Yeah, that was a um, failure. But a great movie. But th- then I watched that Acolytes of Horror video about viewing That's it as true. poetry. That and I was like, true. okay, no, that like that hits. Like yeah, that is true. Um but anyway, witches of e- which of e- witches of Eastwick is better than men, I will say. <laughs> um but in in its own way. I had a fucking blast watching this movie. This is the kind of weird indulgent shit that I love. Cher looks gorgeous. Um I mean they all look gorgeous except jack nicholson my favorite thing about the movie was that they were not trying to pretend that jack nicholson is hot like they were just like hmm. he has charisma they they do not they make a point of not being like he's hot they're that like makes sense like he has the charisma. devil yeah and like <laughs> the one of the parts in the trailer is him like rolling around on a bed in like a like satin bath over something and i think she says who are you and he's like i'm just your average horny little devil and that's the tone of the whole movie it was good you should watch it. I have to watch it. But uh, the ending, prepare yourself. Okay. What okay. the fuck is that? What is happening? <laughs> but it's good. Mary had a big yawn. Oh, big yawn. 
<laughs> right as I knew I was going to talk. <laughs> I read Ruthless Dynasty series, which is three books, and they're mafia romance, and they were bad. Um, <laughs> I just want to get that out of there. They were bad. I typically listen. This these are dark r- mafia romance, like. Um, if you go look on Goodreads at the first read called Ruthless Air, the tagline that you can see before you click the read more is his proposal, his proposal is ruthless. Marry him or die. Yep. <laughs> that's what it was. He steals her. Um, I wouldn't normally talk about this, but I have never read. I'm so sorry if the author listens to it. The author <laughs> is Sasha Leon. <laughs> I have never. Natasha Leon's yeah. alter ego. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I have never read more cringe-worthy sex scenes in my life. <laughs> and I read a lot of smut. <laughs> the word slurp is used. Um, You're welcome things, for that. Yeah, things I don't want to say out loud. <laughs> um, It's just, there's a... <sighs> Anyways, the, I mean, the, the first book is about, uh, it's about, well, the series about these three siblings. They're a found family who work for this bad man. Uh, everyone's bad in this. All, in, in mafia romances, typically everyone's bad. It's fine. Uh, that's what you're there for. And that's what I'm there for. And something I did like about this series is particularly in the first one, he steals her because he wants, if he gets married, he will, he's the heir to this like old Polish, Poland, family and he'll get all the power he wants and all the money i was like there's no way this is real it was fucking real there i was like i'm like he's definitely been lied to he wasn't it was the like there was some things that were wrong but i was just like okay whatever but what i appreciated about this these books and literally probably the only reason that i really continue to read them is that the women in them are like no i want to kill people too i think that would be fun (laughs) And, um, like one of the siblings is a woman and she's like really into tech and stuff. And the guy that she's paired with is also into tech and it's really fun to watch them flirt over tech. Um, but also weird sex scenes with tech. <laughs> um, just some of the most wild fucking shit I've ever read. Not in like what they do. Cause I've read worse, but just some of the things that happen. Uh, anyway, so the first one, uh, he has to get married to get this. So he's like, mm, I like that girl. I was her bully in high school, um, which he actually pretended to get into or pretended he was younger to get into. Um, yeah, I was ruthless to her. I was a really, it was her worst nightmare. So I'm going to marry her. Oh my God. Bring her here. Um, there's more to it than that. And then he's like, um, you're trapped in this house that no one knows about and you're chained to a bed until I can trust that you weren't like hit me. Um, it's bad. This is a dark romance. I won't even talk about the rest. It gets bad. But in the end, she's like, I want to kill people too. Listen, here's the one sex scene I will talk about. (laughs) In the end, this is a spoiler, but it's worth it to listen. Even if you're like, "Mm, I'm going to read that. I I think it's worth it. I think it might make you want to read it more. In the end, they take over the empire of her family and basically her family. Who's the more powerful one? And they take over like the West Coast side and they're, and apparently there's a gang in Mexico that's trying to sell drugs. And of course, this, I could go on forever about this, but of course he doesn't like people who sell drugs and, and sex traffic. And I don't say that like, oh, those are good. It just, <laughs> it's just like, I'm reading a mafia romance. It's okay. I mean, I don't want to hit, hear them like, I like sex traffic, but you like did steal a woman. Right. And mm, it, it, it seems it's like CNC. it's, it stretches the, um, 
the bounds of your yeah i don't need to be told that they're good underneath it all right i don't want them to be because it doesn't seem like they are it just seems like they have they have a line they have a line and that's it and typically in all almost all um off your romances it's those two things anyways there's people selling drugs in this town in mexico that they're like no you can't do that so they go to the town they burn it down and then they have sex while it burns down around them that's nice that was the best sex scene it was the least well i don't know if it was the least but it was i didn't have to stop think about my life <laughs> and then continue the point that what brought me to this point yeah the next one is about her cousin and he's into tech and this other sibling she's into tech and then and the last one i wasn't gonna read but it was like my best friend's brother and i can't fucking pass up my best friend's brother <laughs> um so I, I read that one too and it was really good that one that one despite the you know kidnapping in the first one i think that one was the hardest to read because it was about like sex trafficking women mm-hmm. um and that's not fun um sure <laughs> it's not fun uh so that one is a little bit harder to read but these were bad these were bad and they're really dark but let me tell you i mean if you really want to know the sex scenes you can email us and i'll tell you <laughs> there's one in particular that i that i had to stop and really and it's not even like two of it's just one person that this happens. Oh, it's a solo. It's a thing. solo sex scene. Oh, <sighs> I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> They're bad, but if you like that kind of thing, this is for you. <laughs> if you're into mafia romance and you want a, a character, you want the women to actually like do something and not just be saved. Which sure. I totally read the ones where they're just saved. Totally fine. I'll read that too. But I never get this. I think they're just good enough where it's okay. Yeah, and those sex scenes. <laughs> they're there they weren't even sexy like they weren't like "Ooh, this is titillating it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> maybe a few but then she goes and ruins it with things like slurping oh my god slurping should not be used in a sex scene i that's just me but you know do you, you do you I, ra- circ- I still there are circumstances it wasn't the circumstance <laughs> anyway slurping could be an appropriate verb mm. <laughs> Mary doesn't sound sure about this. Go ahead. I'm done talking um, about this terrible series. Um, we actually both watched Renfield. Yeah, it was so good. It was so I had two criteria for my enjoyment of Renfield. One, I had to laugh, and two, I needed Nicholas Holt to be a sad little man. And both of those criteria were fulfilled. There's only one way I think this movie could have been better for you. Nicholas Holt is a werewolf. That would have been sick. Yeah. So Ren- not Ren- not 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 uh, what Nicholas Cage. No. It needed to be. I always want to call him Tom Holland for some reason. No. It needed to be little man. The little man who is actually really tall. He's really <laughs> tall. <laughs> um. So Renfield is a a sequel to Dracula. <laughs> I don't know. It's Dracula, but what if it didn't end like Dracula does? Um. It is set in the modern day. And Nicholas Holt plays Renfield, who I, for the life of me, could not remember from Dracula. I was like, I know the name <laughs> Renfield, but I cannot fucking remember who Renfield is. He is the guy in the asylum who eats bugs. And, and this is just without the asylum. Yeah, just without I mean, the you could you could make a case that, that I mean, they do it is kind of a hospital. It is kind of an asylum. So you really could. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that case. I'll take it. Yeah. So he has been the... Um, familiar to dracula played by nicholas played beautifully by nicholas cage just 
just great. Just a, just a real chef's kiss to that performance. Um, he plays the uh, the familiar to Dracula, um, and he has been Dracula's familiar for a very very long time. And uh, Dracula t- treats him terribly, just just real bad. He's a bad guy, and Redfield is just a sad little man. And when he eats bugs, he gets superpowers. <laughs> because, you know what? Why not? Um, Could be worse. Yeah. So, he, so Renfield, they live in New Orleans. And he is out on his business. And he's finding it increasingly hard to get people for Dracula to eat. And Dracula is a dumbass. And keeps getting himself into situations where he almost dies and then has to take time to recuperate. So Renfield is responsible for going out and getting him people to feed on, but he finds that increasingly difficult in the modern world. Especially because he wants bad people. Yeah, he's trying to find or bad people. he wants people. good people. He's trying to... Renfield's trying to find bad people. Dracula thinks their blood sucks. Yeah. But he that, could, that those... could also be because they're dead. Because like, he keeps oh, bringing dead true. people. That is true. But I feel like the way what he was asking for made it sound like the blood of the innocent. Yeah. Well, he yeah he wanted like cheerleaders and nuns, as we all do. Yeah. So Renfield goes to a support group for survivors of narcissistic abuse, um, and he he finds out who the partners of these people are, and then tries to lure the partners to Dracula to kind of like ease his conscience about having to feed dracula it is actually brilliant yeah no it's a it's a smart move so um but he ends up uh in the process of doing this he ends up in a sort of mob conflict where now he is the mob is after him for reasons it makes sense in the movie we don't need to get it into could it. have become a mafia romance they <laughs> they, they really missed it could, that it could have so he uh he ends up at this restaurant where uh, a cop played by Aquafina is also there because she is after the crime family, the Lobos. Um, she's after them because they are responsible for the death of her father. It was a low blow. It was a low blow by the Lobos. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so um, she's there and she witnesses uh, this is like a shootout. And Renfield, like, saves everybody with her. It's a great scene. Yeah, because he's eating bugs. <laughs> so- that's not why. It's <laughs> no, a great that's scene. why. Um, it's just, a re- like, a really good fight scene. It's fun. It's really fun. The fight scenes in this movie are really fun because they're not totally gunplay. I would say that, like... Um, it's, it's, like, 70-30. It's probably some, if not my favorite, like fight scene yeah it was really really fun to watch i can't think of another one i like more yeah have you seen shoot em up yeah i have seen shoot em up okay shoot em up's pretty good it's pretty good but i liked this one more okay um so anyway oh so they so he he now is recognized as a hero which is not good when you are the servant of dracula and he works up the courage to leave dracula and that's that's probably enough summary yeah he gets a cute new apartment. He starts dressing like a cute little... It's, it's great. Cute little guy with a rainbow sweater. He could have made a good aesthetic yeah. um, Instagram. That boy was using Pinterest. Yeah. For oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure that boy was using Pinterest. Um, so the the two criteria I had were totally fulfilled by this movie. Ren- <laughs> Mary is like... We're, so we're watching the movie and Mary's like, he looks terrible. And I'm like, I love him. <laughs> he does. He looks... He looks... Ill. Ter- like he looks literally he looks Ill. ill. And I like, love I would imagine he probably is ill. I love it. I love him and I love it. Um 
the point of this movie the the, the point of this movie is the opposite of I can fix him. <laughs> but my takeaway from this movie is I can fix him. Um so yeah, this movie is kind of it's kind of a hard pitch. It's a really <laughs> goofy horror comedy that's extremely gory. Like it's really really gory. Um not in like a a horrific way. It's it's like Mortal Kombat level of yeah. like goofy ass violence. Like blood spurting out in a way that it never would. Yeah, it's really goofy. I had a great time watching this movie. It was really fun. Um I really enjoyed it. I know I've seen like a little bit of criticism about its handling of narcissistic personality disorder, which I think is I think that's fair, but yeah. I but I also am like I think it's from the perspective of of victims of abuse you know mm-hmm. so i think it's it's tricky and i think some of that comes down to the overuse of the term narcissist i i would totally agree um there's a it's 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 really difficult to unpack in terms of like who actually is a narcissist versus who we call a narcissist because yeah. of their abusive behaviors it, that's really tricky and I, I think it's a fair criticism to be like this contributes to the uh demonization of you know people with narcissistic personality disorder but the movie is about victims of abuse, you know? So it's a little thorny there. I think that had this, I won't spoil the ending, but had this movie not ended precisely the way it ended, it wouldn't have been as good. The ending was perfection. It was so perfect. It was perfection. Like the ending was a fucking slam dunk. Can't wait for him to get their Oscar. <laughs> it was like the ending was just so good and so validating like in terms of talking about abuse um just that was just another chef's kiss i thoroughly enjoyed renfield it's not like a perfect movie there's things i would change about it like the fact that one of the protagonists is a cop yeah I, in I, it's new started, orleans and i leaned over to missing i was like are they gonna try to make me like a cop yeah they tried they tried and like they tried to offset it by having this is a spoiler. Um, so skip forward like 15 seconds if you don't want to hear it. Um, they tried to offset it by having the entire police department be corrupt except for her. But like she's still a cop. Whatever. <laughs> you know? uh, there were ways there were ways to go about this. I think that I, we could have sidestepped the police department. But. It could have been she, if she was working for the FBI. I'm not saying that they're better than the cops, but yeah, slightly. Yeah, it's yeah but she could have been like the cops are just as corrupt which she was i hate cops yeah i i had a great time watching this movie it was really i had a really good time it was super fun um i rewatched jennifer's body which i'll talk about in a bit and jennifer's body and renfield are sister movies they are sister movies to me but i really like this one more Uh, god rewatching jennifer's body it's a i really like it like i really do i legitimately really enjoy that movie every time you rewatch it you like it more it's not that i like it more i just i remember how much i actually like the Mm. movie and how much of my dislike for it is the way people talk about it Mm. because i think the movie is good i think the movie is good for what it i i just it was didn't hit it for me i I, I think it's really good. I really, yeah. really... I guess I'll just talk about Jennifer's body real quick because we're already Okay, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I rewatched Jennifer's body because um, I was showing it to a friend who hadn't seen it. And I don't... We did a whole episode on Jennifer's body, so I don't need to rehash <laughs> everything. I... When I watched Jennifer's body when it came out, I wasn't super impressed with it because I just felt like... 
I don't know. I don't know what I didn't like about it when it came out. I enjoyed it. Like, I love... I think we expected something different. The plot is really good. Like, the plot is really fucking good. Um, the, the, it's a, if you haven't seen it, it's about, um, two friends, Needy and Jennifer. Jennifer's played by Megan Fox, Needy by Amanda Seyfried. Um, they are, they've been best friends forever. Um, they go to a, they go to a show at a local bar. They're in high school and, um, the bar burns down and Jennifer ends up getting kidnapped by the band that was playing called Low Shoulder and they take her out to the woods. You f- this is kind of a spoiler. You find out midway through the movie. Um, they take her out to sacrifice her as a virgin to boost their music career, but she's not actually a virgin. So she becomes a demon monster and starts eating boys. Um, it's really, really, really fun. Like it's a really, it fun. a really fun movie, and I always have a blast watching it. There, it's it's Diablo Cody. It's dated in some places. It's overwritten in some places, but overall, it's really, really fun. The thing, it never worked when it came out. It was like, oh, this movie's absolute gross trash. Yeah, everyone and I hated it. Huh? Everyone hated it. Everyone hated it. I didn't like it when it came out, and I, I don't know what my reasoning was for that, but I didn't I, I didn't I wasn't impressed with it. I think we were expecting something a little different. I think we were expecting more music to be a part of it. Music uh, is a really big part of it. I know, but I feel like I don't know. I feel like remembering me being younger, this is not how I feel now. Just being like, Oh, I wish they would have leaned into that more. In some way. I, I don't, don't know. I have no idea what I didn't like. I, I mean, I liked it. I actually did like it when I saw it. Because I remember being like, well, I don't think it was that bad. I just didn't think it was that good. And now I've rewatched it a few times since. And I really enjoy the movie. Like, I would give the movie like an 8 out of 10 in terms of my enjoyment of it. But the like critical reevaluation of it, which is something that we talked about in our episode on Jennifer's Body, has not sat well with me because I don't find it to be a feminist masterpiece. Um, just like I don't find Juno to be a feminist masterpiece, also by Diablo Cody. Um, I think that they have really interesting things to say about femininity and about girlhood and about toxic relationships. Um, but I don't know. They don't land for me as feminist masterpieces, especially because like, and I, I don't want to go too much into this because again, we did a whole episode on it, but, um, the fact that the treatment of men in the story, and I know this sounds like this sounds, you're going to be surprised to hear this from us. My feminism includes men is the best way that I can think to phrase this. My feminism includes men. My my ideal world is not a world without men. We should hold everyone um, up to a standard. Yeah, I don't hate men. And I don't believe that... I Like, I hate, I hate, like, kill all men rhetoric. I hate it. Especially as a white woman. I hate it. It's, it's a horrible, horrible thing to say as a white woman. Like, my, my body is something that is used for the justification of killing black men. Like, I am not okay with that rhetoric. Now, that's not what's happening in Jennifer's body, but I'm trying to explain the reason why I'm not a fan of kill-all-men-style feminism. Um, so, I watching this movie and having it be like, oh, sh-, you know, the lines like, I'm not killing people, I'm killing boys, which is very funny from it Jennifer. It get- She's literally a demon, though, is the thing. <laughs> she's literally, <laughs> like, we're not meant to like her. Um, she's supposed to be kind of cathartic, you know, but we're not supposed to be like, oh, she's right. I So that never, s- the, the fan interpretation and, and sort of the critical reevaluation of this movie has never sat right with me is like emblematic of feminism. I think it's emblematic of a certain era of like 2014 Tumblr feminism that like, yeah, it resonated. I, I think that's when around this stuff is started to research, right? 
I think it was more like 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, I so I like the thing is like I I can appreciate I like it as a movie and I enjoy watching it. I think it's really really funny. The more I rewatch it, and especially Carmen Marie Machado wrote a great 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 essay on it and about bisexuality um, that I wish had been out when we did our episode on it because she's fucking right. Like Carmen Maria Machado, I feel like is right every time, but she's especially right this time. The essay is great. I can, I'll link it in the show notes if I remember to, um, if not just Google Carmen Maria Machado, Jennifer's body and you can find it. Um, it's a great essay about bisexuality and about like the tension of, um, friendships in youth when one or both of you is queer. Um, it's just excellent. Um, so there's a lot to like about the movie. I think that it is sloppy. There's it's not super well executed, but with like there's a version of this movie that's my favorite movie. Yeah, I think for me I I really had when originally watching it, I really had really high hopes. Sounds like some my jam and it just didn't hit for me. And then we rewatched it for the for the podcast and I could appreciate it in a completely different way, but it still just didn't hit for me. Mhm. I think I've watched it like three or four times and I like it. I like, I really enjoy the movie. It's just hard for me with how it gets talked about as a feminist masterpiece in a way that I just super don't agree with it. Um, I think that it's, it's a complex examination of toxic friendship, of mutual attraction, of gender roles, of all of these different things that is hindered by coming out when it came out. Mm-hmm. It, the world wasn't ready for Jennifer's body and Jennifer's body wasn't ready for the world. Well, like, didn't Diablo Cody also kind of like just be like sloppily write it in the end? I, don't, I, don't I remember know having a conversation where she just kind of like didn't put her all into actually writing it. Mm. I don't know. I remember having that conversation and she like admitted it or something like that. I don't know. Um, Like, I, I just think that if this movie came out now, not just came out now, but was rewritten now, yes. it would be an incredible movie. It's just the version that came out is just shy of really, really good. There's like certain changes that I know I would make if I were telling that story that would make me feel so much more satisfied by it. Um, It's not even the fact that she's killing, that Jennifer is killing boys and just like boys who haven't done anything to her that upsets me it's that the movie seems uncertain about how i should feel about jennifer i think that's a really that that really hits it Mm -hmm. is it yeah i would 100 percent agree with that yeah i it clearly doesn't want me to love jennifer right because she does horrible things but we want to yeah and i think that's fair i just don't know that the movie does enough to undermine jennifer's perspective I, when I watch it, and I don't think that this is a fair comparison, and I don't think that it's like, I don't think they're, they are similar in a way, and I, but I just want to go watch Ginger Snaps. Yeah, no, I totally agree. There's so much of Jennifer's body that I think is... Ginger Snaps was clearly an inspiration. Yeah, there's so much of, of Jennifer's body that is like, I think, better executed in Ginger Snaps. Ginger Snaps doesn't get everything. Um, so fucking good. But it's so fucking good. But... um. Ginger Snaps also doesn't do some of the things I don't like about Jennifer's body. So it's my feelings about Jennifer's body are complicated, which I think is not a bad thing. I like I said, it's so fun. I love watching the movie. It's super, super fun. Everybody is having a good fucking time. I love Adam Brody as this horrible Adam. Yeah, Adam Brody. Yeah, Adam Brody. As this horrible Brendan Urie-esque <laughs> uh, singer. I think 
Megan Fox does an excellent job as Jennifer. Yeah, she was a good choice. Um, there's there's so many good choices, and it's just kind of hindered by I think even just saying that it came out in like 2008 or whatever. Well, it just it it's a little half baked. I agree with that. Adam Brody recently, like within the last, I think it was last year, did an interview <clears throat> and someone brought up Jennifer's body and he said something that I think was really apt and maybe we talked about it. Uh, he said the marketing for the movie is oh, really yeah. where it failed. They marketed it to men. Yeah, no, like the, the marketing, the marketing's really bad. And yeah, that, so we have these boys come and watch it and I, I would be, it would be really interesting. There's no way we could ever do this to interview the men and boys who watch that as, after they watch it and see their, their reaction to it. Because I'd be really curious if they came away horrified or into it. Yeah. So it'd be, it is, it is one of those things that is just a plethora of conversation that you can just continue to have. Mm-hmm. There's so much. And that makes it good for me. Yeah. There is so much smart stuff happening in Jennifer's body that I think the reason that it feels disappointing is because of the stuff about it that isn't smart. Like that now looks worse because it's next to stuff that is so smart. The casting of Megan Fox, brilliant. Turning Megan Fox into a boy eating disgusting monster, excellent. The fact that if she doesn't eat boys, she turns into a normal teenage girl, but still the most beautiful girl you've ever seen in your life really good like there's so much good stuff in there the the needy's the fact that her name is needy the, the yeah. needy and needy's feelings about jennifer being complicated and sexual but also like not um like all of these things are are so interesting and then it's kind of hindered by paying lip service to like pop feminism of the mid 2000s i think maybe it was trying to do all those things, but still trying to be consumable. I think it could have, I think it could have done it. I totally think it should, could have done it, but I, but I think that it was trying to be consumer, consumable to as many people as possible. I, I don't necessarily think that's the issue. I think the feminism wasn't deep enough. I, like, I really think the issue is that mid two thousand. well, I guess late 2000s, um, pop feminism Mm -hmm. of like the sequel to girl power, but now it's like, sex positive that and like the like kill all men stuff and embrace the female rage but not necessarily the kind i want to yeah yeah i think that's kind of what's holding it back for me and that doesn't make it a bad movie it just makes my feelings about it it holds my feelings back from being really positive if you could have one person rewrite and or direct this movie who would you choose hmm. i think it would be a really good a24 movie like a typical a24 yeah movie. Like the people who did bodies, bodies, bodies. Yeah, like bodies, bodies, bodies did kind of a similar thing. Jennifer's bodies, bodies, bodies. <laughs> um, the crossover fan fiction I'll go find. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's something else we were talking about. I don't know. I I think there's a version of this movie in another universe that's like perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a we got a pretty good one. Like the movie is so fun. Like the movie is fun for me on a level with stuff like Renfield, like Josie and the Pussycats in a really weird way. This is maybe not the most fun movie ever, but in a weird way, like Constantine, like, no, I get it. I see it. These are, these are movies that are fun for me to watch despite their flaws. It's like monstrous fun. Yeah. Um, 
It's just my issue with Jennifer's body is less with the movie itself, which is flawed. But my issue is less with the movie itself and more with the response to it being it's a feminist masterpiece. If it informed your feminism, that's fine. But that's a credit to you, not to the film. Which I think it's a good entry point. Mm, I don't think so. You don't think so? With people being like, this is interesting and then going and like looking at more stuff. I don't know because mm-hmm. no, because I don't want an entry point for feminism to be the very white kill all men style of feminism. That's fair. That's fair. I, that, That's fair. That, that is not it for me. Um, but if you like to indulge like that kind of rage based catharsis, yeah, sure. I, the ending is really fucking good. The ending. Yes, the ending is. She's monstrous. It's very good, like disgustingly. So yeah, just visually. Yeah, the the like post credit scene is really really good. So yeah, I have complicated feelings about Jennifer's body. I love the movie. I think it's super super fun. I the 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 critical reevaluation of it has never worked for me, unless your name is Carmen Maria Machado. Mm -hmm. In which case, you're right. You got me. (laughs) You got me there. Um, yeah that's it uh i watched this was a while ago i think i forgot to talk about uh dead ringers which is a uh movie by what's his name who loves body horror david cronenberg yeah david cronenberg and um it is it feels like i've watched like i think two other ones and i was like and i feel like i came away with the same thing of like um this was this was really this was good it was fine but the but the conversations that we'll we'll have they're really really good. So in this movie, it's two brothers, they're identical brothers, and they are doctors specializing in um, women's fertility, specifically women. They do not treat men's f- fertility, um, which is a lot to unpack there. First of all, um, and they are all like one of them is like a crazy party person like just does drugs all the time and kind of and the other one's like much more like academic and is like really looking at at the research and trying to move forward with it and they have this like special tool that they want to start using but they can't get it approved which they shouldn't because it's bad um and it's essentially them working at this place, being awful, awful humans, and trying to use this, trying to get this um, tool that they've created approved so they can use it. So they, and it's, and it's not, it doesn't, I don't know, I feel like I need to think even more on this, but at first glance, when I think of it, it doesn't feel like they're doing it because they think it would be better for women. They're doing it because they think it would make, put them in books um, and be really, you know, doctor famous. What I thought was what I thought was really interesting about this movie is it's two men who run a f- fertility clinic for women, uh, and not for men. And like the the idea of fertility clinics only being for women is not like something new. It's like something people always go to. But they make a point in the movie to say we don't treat men's infertility. We don't do it. And I thought it was really interesting. Um, it was gross, and it. And I think that it was only made more interesting by the fact that it's two men. And I would love to do this movie as a, as a podcast episode. Um, and it was super good. And I really liked it. it I th- thought it made, left a lot for me to think on. And then my husband was like, oh, they're remaking it uh, with Rachel Weiss on Prime. It's going to be a TV show. And I was like, I can't wait for this. Uh, if you've listened, if you're like a dedicated listener, you might know that like I have infertility issues and I was, and my husband, we started it and I could make it through, um, 
through dead ringers because it was it was not about the fertility it was that's not at all what like it wasn't about that uh but i was really interested to watch the show because it they used two women and i think i'm really curious i thought it was really important that the movie used men i thought that was really important to like what it was saying and what it was doing and so i was really curious how they would do that if they would change something so we started the first <laughs> started the first episode starts out with the miscarriage cool whatever um and a lot of it felt really clinical which is which is fine for me um and then there's this moment where a woman comes in and she had never had a doctor's appointment she'd never been to the hospital for any for her for a pregnancy whatsoever and she wanted a, a, a at-home birth Pregnancy is like one of the most dangerous things you can do to yourself. It is extremely risky on a good day. Um, so for her to do that, it didn't go well, right? So she runs into the fertility clinic. They need to have emergency C-section and it becomes really emotional. And I just look at my husband and I start bawling. I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> He's like, I don't know why you thought. I'm like, I can't do it. It was fine. But I want to try again because it was really interesting. And I really want to know changing it to women from what I saw so far, it is working because they change. I they it seems as though they want to really help women. That's their big thing, at least from uh, what I've looked at. Right? Uh, oh, so a huge thing I missed in the first in the in the movie is that uh, a woman comes in and they find out she has a special vagina. Of uh, it has like two cavities. Um, it's called something, and they become obsessed with it. Uh, but not not the person, just the vagina. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it was really good. I thought it was interesting. If you have a hard time with infertility or miscarriages, well, I don't, I'm sure there's a miscarriage in the movie. I just don't remember. Um, I would be really cautious uh, in watching it. Um, I have a really high, like, it's really hard for me to watch that stuff. And I was totally fine with the movie. I was totally fine with the show until it got like emotional. Like this clinic, making everything clinical was really you know, a lot more easy to watch. And uh, also the fact that it was disgusting. Like <laughs> it was gross. And like I expected that because Cronenberg uh, does gross shit um, in the best way. So creating this like these two horrible people in this absolutely disgusting situation. The lighting is just like gray and, and it's just... It was really good. I I liked it. I liked thinking about it more than I liked the movie, but I still liked the movie. So it was good. Nice. Um, I watched Can't Buy Me Love, which is a 1987 rom-com in the style of, I say she's all that, but that's like my, it's a My Fair Lady kind of thing. Except in this one, it's about a boy paid by, played by Patrick Dempsey, um, who does it fairly convincing job of looking like a nerdy high schooler like fairly convincing he has a crush on the popular cheerleader girl the popular cheerleader girl has a dirtbag boyfriend who goes off to college and doesn't call her anymore so she tries to impress him by wearing her mother's like cute ass suede suit um whatever you're picturing when i say suede suit that's not it <laughs> it's, it's cute she she shows up to a party and her shitty dirtbag boyfriend spills red wine on her so she has to try to get a new suit but it's a thousand dollars it's a really expensive suit 
And the uh, the boy, played by Patrick Dempsey, has been saving up to buy a telescope. He's been mowing lawns, including mowing the popular girl's lawn. And he says, I'll give you $1,000 if you pretend to date me for a month. And she's like, don't be fucking ridiculous. And he's Love like... Love a good fake dating. <laughs> yeah. So he... They they work it out. He gives her a thousand dollars to pretend to date him for a month so that he can be popular. And um, lo and behold, she catches feelings for him, uh, and he does become popular. But turns out he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> Fuck that dude. Fuck that dude. Wow, what a prick. I don't think I've ever hated a rom com <laughs> love interest more than I hated Patrick Dempsey and Can't Buy Me Love. I was amazed. I was like, do not get together. Fuck this guy. Push him in the pool. No, it's a rom com they get together. <laughs> this is the one that inspired that the that is referenced in Easy A when she talks about riding off on the lawnmower, and then they ride off on a lawnmower in the end. It's a reference to Can't Buy Me Love. Would I recommend this movie? Only if you want to really get mad at a love interest. Because fuck that guy. (laughs) Holy shit. The moral of this movie is don't trust men. And I know I just had this whole thing when I was talking about Jennifer's body. But like... You're saying trust, not kill. Yeah. Fuck these dudes. No. What an asshole. I hate this kid. I'm thinking about more things that happen in the movie. I hate him. (gasps) <gasps> worst rom-com protagonist ever but was it good it was fine it was not that good <laughs> well that's a bummer <laughs> so would i recommend can't buy me love no i wouldn't do they want you to hate him well it's definitely meant to be like it kind of goes from he's the protagonist to she's the protagonist because he, he takes her like on this re- it's their last date and he takes her um their last date when they're a fake couple mm-hmm. and they're gonna break up the next day he takes her out to this abandoned this airfield full of abandoned planes and they sit in a plane and watch the moon through his telescope and she's like wow i never really looked at the moon before and you taught me so much about it and it's really sweet and she like wants him to kiss her and then he's like well guess i'm gonna break up with you tomorrow and then he breaks up with her by like in like the cruelest way possible in front of everybody oh my god he's he's the worst he is the worst and then she writes poetry and she shares it with him She's like, she's like, I've never showed anybody my poetry before. And then he quotes it at another girl. I hate him. I hate him so much. So don't watch Can't Buy Me Love unless you want to get really mad about a movie made in 1987. I watched the third seasons of Mandalorian. Um, This is a contentious season. Some people fucking hate this season and they're pissed off and they can shove it. (laughs) Is this a good, is this the best season of Mandalorian? No. Does it have my favorite episode of all time? Yes. Um, it was fine. It was, I'm going to only talk about the good episode, but I'll, I'll say about the rest of it. It was fine. I'm glad Bo-Katan is there. Um, I know people are angry that she's in it. Like It's more her story than it is Din Djarin's right now, but it's called The Mandalorian, not Din Djarin. <laughs> um, and she's a Mandalorian. Uh, so also she's just cool as hell. She's just cool as hell. Um, I'm really mad. Listen, we went so many episodes with books hand and not what did they mention her sister and i'm so pissed off her sister is satine if you're not a diehard clone wars fan you won't know that satine 
was the ruler of Mandalore before everything went to shit. And she's like, I actually don't think we should fucking fight for anyone. I don't think we should. And her sister, Bo-Katan, who's much younger at this point, is like, bullshit, I'm going to lead everyone to fight. It doesn't end well for her, obviously. Um, But what I actually care about is Satine and Obi-Wan had a secret love affair in which we get, I'm pretty sure it's where we get the great scene, the great quote of, uh, if you told me to, I would have left, left the Jedi Order. Are you kidding me? <laughs> they have a, there's this whole section of his life where he's traveling with her and they're on adventures and we have yet to get it. I better get it in the goddamn sh- Obi-Wan show. If I don't get it in the Obi-Wan show, fuck Star Wars. Mm-hmm. That's not true. But I love Satine. I think her, her story is really good. So there's that. But I want to talk about <laughs> episode six, Guns for Hire. I, so many people hated this episode. So many people are wrong. If you like the Clone Wars, this is also probably your favorite episode because it could have been literally pulled out of Clone Wars. Parts of it were like parts of it. I'm like, oh, I know exactly what they're doing because it was from this episode. They come, they come to this planet and the two rulers on it, which are played by Jack Black and Lizzo. First of all, amazing. People are pissed about that and they can fuck off too. Um, and it was just silly and fun. And um, they're like, we got this issue with droids. What droids? Battle droids. My fucking favorite. They're the ones that go Roger Roger and they're really fucking stupid. And I was like, I look at my husband. He just shakes his head. I'm like, this is the best episode. Like I get made fun of by him and and some other people think that um, the droid episodes in Clone Wars are the worst ones. And I think they're also wrong. Some of them are bad, but I love the droid episodes. (laughs) Um, And this was a droid episode. Uh, They go and like, you know, they're like, why are they, these, the droids are like malfunctioning and like just killing people in like not a scary way, but like, like these darn droids and they go around and they just have a full on like adventure. I think I saw online someone's like, you could replace this with Anakin, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka. And I would 100% believe this is literally Star Wars, like Clone Wars episode. And even when they get off their ship, they see these things that are referenced to Clone Wars, like the battle droids specifically. And Bo-Katan goes, oh, this reminds me of Clone Wars. I was like, fuck, this is going to be good. It was so good. If you love Clone Wars, it felt like a love story, like a love letter to Clone Wars. Uh, It was also uh, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. And I think that's another reason people were kind of upset about this episode. Because all of her, she's done a really, really, really good job in directing the episodes that she has had. So people think, I think people had a really high um, expectation for it. And I just think she wanted to make a Clone Wars episode. Like, she's like, yeah, I fucking do this. It's written by John Favreau. I'm surprised it isn't written by Dave Filoni. But, like, it ends, spoilers, it ends up being nano droids. And if you're a diehard fan of Star Wars and you know what episode I'm talking about, it's like the same fucking thing happens. It's just a droid instead of, like, a human. Yeah. And that's why I like this episode. Was it silly? Yeah. Was Lizzo in it and amazing? Also, yeah. Like, it was so Nobody's mad about Jack Black being in the episode. Everybody's mad about Lizzo. You are not fucking wrong. I've I know. seen I've seen that Jack Black makes sense. What? You're just fucking racist. And yeah. and 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 just fucking racist. Yeah. Um but yeah, I that's what I love this episode so because it was fun. I like the Mandalorian. I think it's interesting, but I'm I'm sorry. I'm sick of trying to make Star Wars serious. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a huge fan of Rogue One. I started Cassian. It wasn't for me. I know that people love it. Um and I think it's valid 
But that's not the Star Wars I want. I started liking Star Wars because of Rebels and Clone Wars. And what I like about those things is they can be super silly. And then suddenly we have an arc that's going to come back in, a, in the Ahsoka show um, of the, the daughter, the son, and the father. Where it's like this silly stuff. And then you have this like random, absolutely beautiful arc where you're like, what the fuck? Everything I thought about this is wrong. And all these weird things in these silly episodes now are important. And that's what I think is fun, not mm-hmm. constant seriousness. Right. It cut. You know what? It, it makes sense for me because that kind of reminds me of Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. I remember loving Sailor, the first season of Sailor Moon because it's silly, 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 and then you get to the end and it gets really serious and everything was really important. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like things coming together and like being really important, but I still had fun getting there and it was still silly. Um, one of the things that people complain about Dave Filoni is he has too many filler episodes and he's said multiple times they are not filler Mm -hmm. and in the end guess what they're not filler he has one all about space whales and people are like why the fuck are we talking about space whales it does space whales are cool first of all they are fucking cool they're always cool yeah it's true they're like they're really cool and like the idea of them is really interesting and how they survive is really interesting but but it's kind of like you're watching rebels which it's not have as many episodes as clone wars so it like doesn't have that time to have those silly episodes um and then spoilers in the end the the whales were one of the most important parts of the ending mm-hmm. um so I, it's it's nuanced i guess um this episode was the best season the best episode of all mandalorian ever and people are gonna get <laughs> mad and i don't fucking care if you're gonna get mad because give me silly star wars it is a fucking mo- shit like franchise about silly people in space and i'm cool with that mm. um and i like it i l- thought it was i like how bright it was and like when they were with lizzo and jack black and i like the droids and i like it was it, i mean they knew what they were doing she as soon as they land she's like oh this is like clone wars and i and immediately i was like i'm here so it's great the season was fine um i don't have an issue with Bo-Katan being more of a plot point than dinjarin necessarily i think it sucks that we had this build up to him and what happened to him i and i and i think the show thinks they answered it and i don't think fans feel that they answered it well enough Mm. um so and i just think that okay personally some people may get angry with me i'm gonna be mad yeah i think the show did so well and became so important and just blew everything out of the water that Dave Filoni and, and John Favreau were able to slack. Mm. And I think that's fine. I got this episode because of it. Um, and I think that sucks for people who are really invested in it. Um, people, a lot of people didn't like um, Dave Filoni's episodes that he directed anyways. Um, not so that he wrote, but yeah, I think it just, I don't want to say it got to the head. I do not know what's going through the head. I don't know them or anything, but I, it does feel like the writing slacked and it kind of feels like they could rest on the fact that they're making the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, they also created one of the best arcs in Clone Wars that made me actually give a shit about Mandalorians. And also up until I read the Ahsoka book, the Darksaber was my absolute favorite lightsaber. Um, but then, in the Ahsoka book, she um, steals crystals straight out of another lights, other lightsabers and puts them in hers. And they're white. And that's cool. So now that's my favorite. <laughs> cool. And she didn't. She used other ones in the, in the show. And blah. 
Well, that's it for this episode. You can find us online at fakegeekgirlscast.com. It has links to all of our previous episodes. Based on some of the things we talked about, you should listen to the Jennifer's Body yeah. episode. <laughs> and also probably Clone Wars and uh, the Clone Wars and Rebels episodes that we did. God, they're so good. Um, and they're, they're so good if you love Star Wars. Uh, shout out to Emily June for working on our episode transcripts. Thank you. Uh, if you like us, consider supporting us on Patreon. Small donation per month gets you access to bonus material, like what I'm going to cut from this episode, where we had a long conversation about droids. Yeah, it was. I got passionate. Yeah, I love droids. It's a good conversation, and if you pay one dollar a month, you can hear it. Yeah. Um. Next time, we're going to talk about Magic Mike XXL, and this episode's going to fucking slap. You are not ready. <laughs> if you've never seen Magic Mike XXL, you don't even know. Do you want to know what I'm reading for this episode? Mm. I'm reading the original essay about the male gaze by Laura Mulvey. Wow. I'm reading Bell Fucking Hooks to wow. talk about Magic Mike XXL. I read parts of Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph fucking Campbell so I can talk about how it subverts the hero's journey. This is Missy a good hates the hero's This journey. is a good fucking movie. I know you I, if you haven't seen it you don't understand. You can't possibly I still haven't watched it. I'm you watch can't it this comprehend. Week. We don't record next, next weekend. No. Yeah, okay. I'm going to watch it this week. And then after Magic Mike XXL, we're probably going to do Spice World. That was winning the poll last yes. time I checked. So. This will be interesting. Yeah. It's, have you looked and see if there's anything? I haven't looked yet. It's either going to be a shit ton of stuff or nothing. Yeah. Or, or there might be stuff, but it's not good. Yeah. I'm really focused on Magic Mike, right? There's so much about Magic Mike. There's so much because you don't understand. You cannot <laughs> fathom how much rich text is in Magic Mike XXL. And th- this is the thing. Missy's been talking about this for years. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this is not like, a, oh, we're deciding to do this. And Missy's like, oh, my God, I didn't know. No, Missy's been talking no, about I this knew. for years. I knew. The moment I watched that movie for the first time, I was like, wow, this is not just a movie about sexy dancing. It's a su- it's just surprising to me that Missy hasn't already written a dissertation about it. <laughs> I'm going back to college so I can write a dissertation on Magic Mike XXL. And I would be like the fifth person to do yeah. so. <laughs> Um, so that's it alright catch you on the flip side